0: Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits <laughs> Podcast. Not at the Recycle Garage, no, no, no. Today, this is a special recording. We're here at the Moto Talbot Museum in Carmel Valley. Now, we've been talking about this place for a while because we've been itching for this place to open and we we're lucky to come here in like a month ago yeah. and check it out. And, you know, I, I can't believe that this this has been a little secret here in our own backyard uh, that... And suddenly, you just sprang on us. So, we're here with Rob Talbot, the owner, collector, the myth, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> and with me here today, we have Isaac, who's running sound. Hello. We have Jim, who is going to be interjecting witticisms.
1: Come to this place and visit.
0: <laughs> and then we got Zach and Mike who are floating around doing video.
2: I came for the free stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
0: And uh, this is Eliza as usual. So we're here with Rob and, and Bobby who's floating around. Bobby is the other, the guy. We Rob, not to demote you at all but bobby's the guy but i we we figured out talking to him he's a guy who knows i don't know maybe more than you about everything i don't know he's i'm definitely going to be tapping into that resource he's he's a cool guy not as good as at the stories as you are however so you are going to remain on the podium for today you're going to get the gold medal because we're here for the stories Now, all these bikes have stories, and that's what I love. I love that that's what you are here to curate. It's not just come and look at these pretty bikes. You want to teach people about them. So what bike do you want to share with us first? Because there's so many in here.
2: Well, thank you for the concept of education and sharing and history. I really buy bikes if they touch my heart. Yeah. Being an old art major from college, I, I buy bikes that were in my past. I buy bikes that passed me when I was racing, because all I saw was the rear end of them, and I wondered, wow, that's a cool bike, <laughs> like a Mako or a, a CZ or a Husky. So I have those in our museum, because they beat me. But I really, I buy bikes for their history, almost number one, And I can continue to tell that history. And that's why I'm a tremendous preservation, barn find guy. When I find a bike with a history, I never change it. Because if you restore that bike, as we know, the history's gone. Except on a placard. So...
1: So could so I ask a quick question? When you talk about history, um, are you coming from a standpoint of what the bike has accomplished or done from a rider standpoint, or could it be also something significant historically in the manufacturing process, or what was going on at the world at the time, or kind of a combination?
2: Good question. Well, for me, it's basically about the rider, okay. I think. I have many one-off bikes that certainly help, like this wonderful bike called the Taurus, mm-hmm. the Bull. Yep it's the last one of one in the world so it's a significant bike wow i have a bike called the islo that was made in mexico one of three and it was built for the giro de italy Hmm. in the 50s which ran from 51 to 57 but as we know much like the road racing events in the 50s they were so dangerous in the town so many fatalities so many spectators died Hmm that they stopped those races okay. so that bike was built to race in the giro it fun while it lasted. in 56 <laughs> and it never got to race because it was the last one okay. so significant in that manner okay. but basically i love riders histories we're going to see Donny castro's bike right we're going to see um we're going to see a bike um that was ridden by the speedway champion of sweden he ran the Volvo dealer in town, cool. and the dealership. Those kind of stories, because that's what I buy. And he gave me all of his equipment. Cool. He gave me his and top and his leathers and his hot shoe, and we'll see that. That's great. So in that case, that's history that needs to stay in Monterey County mm-hmm. and be shared.
1: Well, you touched on something that um, hopefully we can hear some of your racing history that also bit, is sure. relevant to Monterey County, etc.
0: Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to because as I look around this collection, there's a lot of race bikes. And then downstairs in the basement a lot of dirt bikes. Is it possible is it possible that this has something to do with your history of riding?
2: Well, I think the bug started with my little Trail 55, but I immediately Wanted to challenge myself. So there was a place in Colorado Springs at the bottom of Rampart Range Road at about 7,000 feet, and it was an old area of a quarry. And so we started to ride there and teach ourselves. We're self taught, most of us. And mm-hmm. then from there, racing followed. Mm-hmm. And the bug of those five years of racing I love adrenaline. I love. I crashed a lot. You can see in the pictures the levers are all bent. But you know, if you're not crashing, you're not racing. I
1: created a shorty lever the last time we went dirt biking. As a matter of fact, (laughs) on my DR, it actually fits a little nicer. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I just took one off my DR. But um, racing is huge in, in this, and the other part of it is the art degree from college, and the Guggenheim plays hugely into that book. Made. What I'd been thinking about all these years credible, and the world woke up, and they didn't want to do that, as you know. The board of directors did not want to put motorcycles in the Guggenheim, and a few proponents put them in, and lo and behold, they had the largest attendance that they ever had. So take that.
0: So did you see it in New York or in Vegas?
2: Uh, Vegas.
1: <laughs> and who's our but. local
0: inductee to the Guggenheim? Local. Local. local.
1: Doesn't Vetter have a bike in the Guggenheim? No, Craig might have. I I think I think Craig Vetter does have a bike in the Guggenheim. Well, the the Guggenheim
0: was a traveling; it was a display. It's it's not a permanent collection. Um, But you're right.
2: But it was a hundred dollar book too.
0: I have the book,
2: and yes, and I
0: saw the show in Vegas as well.
2: And the F4, remember the F4? Massimo Tamburini's incredible remake of one of the most amazing, beautiful designs in the whole world was facing in New York the rear end of that bike the tambourine the f4 faced the people as they walk in so that 's in our living room at home. I love that bike I'll, I'll agree. I bought it in no one
0: i'll great. agree it, that that uh, the Guggenheim exhibit did change how I looked at bikes instead of just yes. saying oh that 's look at that old bike. I started looking at the components yes because that art of the motorcycle taught me about the art and the design.
2: There's so much art, and who does it? Maybe the best, the Italians. Yeah,
0: and, and yeah. what I love most too is that it wasn't just—it was they included modern bikes as well.
2: But just look right here. Look at what's happening here. Look at the drillings on these beautiful components. Look at this piece right here for the brake. Right. Look at the lightness drilling for the race bike. This is a Moto Devil, incredible bike prototype, sandcast, everything. Very crudely built bike, because of course it was going to be crushed. All the the race bikes were crushed so the independents didn't get them. But look at this bike. It speaks to you. I mean it's just an amazing the Italians are pretty amazing.
0: So what are we looking at?
2: Well we're looking at, at a 175 built for The Giro, but this is this. You know what they would do is they'd open road race, the Milano-Toronto race, which is look on a map of Italy from Milan all the way to Toronto. It was a wide open race. These were they went so fast. This was built to be an open road race bike in '56, right before the Giro stopped, and it's a prototype, which means that it may be one of one, one of two, one of three. It should have been crushed. They always crushed them.
0: So is Devil the model? Or it was the
2: name ma- of the. It was the name. It was the name of the bike. Very rare. I've never seen another one. So when I saw this bike, I had to buy it because here's the story. And I'm still researching the stories on a lot of these bikes, but it's hard to find history on them. Some of them because they're so rare.
0: So we're looking here just in this rack. We've got an MV Agusta cicada. Chicada. Chica- Ag- no. yeah, Devil, a Guzzi. A Guzzi. Okay, they're all red.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're all red. What is
0: with the Italians in red?
2: Well, here's a green one.
0: <laughs> here's
2: a green one. Yeah. And we get tired of red bikes, too, so you're going to see some pretty neat colors. La Verde up there, a tan one. They love red. Red is the color of amour. It's the color of emotion. It's passion. And it's the Italian racing color, so.
0: So that people can kind of get an idea of what we're looking at, can you just quickly just rattle off a bunch of the models of bikes in here?
2: Well, we we're, we're heavily certainly not be happy to show. This area is, as I ride the California Giro every year, I'm interested in small displacement. Italian bikes. They were mostly Italian, not always, sometimes German. But we had Jolera that had a tremendous racing history. We had the ciccato, We had the Capriola. We had the CM. The Perilla, of course, was the Greyhound. We had the Rumi. We had the Islo, the story that I mentioned, one of three mostly Italian components but made just to race this race. Bianchi and Celeste we all have this bicycle or maybe had one in that same Celeste Blue and of course we have Ducati we have MV Augusta you, and there, there are many other ones, there's Moto B but these are the ones that um, raced hugely look at the passion in these racers I mean these guys are, here's a Ducati racer here there's the Laverda team They went through open towns as fast as they could for six days. And there were fatalities. These guys were out to win. And look at how Europe embraces motorcycles. We don't do this in America. America has no enthusiasm for motorcycles like Europe, such as the MotoGP. Europe breathes motorcycles because they were in their culture. After the war, they started with 50cc 75cc, 175 and then started racing them. They grew up on Vespas, and Europe really got around. When the roads were all blown up after all the bombs, they got around on two wheels. America had big cars then. We weren't blown up. We didn't have to go to the market with a basket for our bread. The Europeans had to. They didn't have cars. They couldn't afford cars. So motorcycles in Europe just... Were so so important.
0: I want to bring up the tile
3: underneath the motorcycle.
2: It's like kind of tying into what he's talking about the you know so so paved roads that the motorcycles are on and even uh, on display. Yeah, the cobblestones. Yeah, (laughs) this came from Italy. This is Bobby's These are actual paves from Italy. (laughs) And these rides were rough too. These giro's. These were they didn't have really nice paved roads, but they'd be on these things for eight hours a day racing. Full on, I mean, with passion that you know, he's just amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I got a question. We're looking at these bikes and I'm thinking back to when you re- referenced being an artist. And it's funny, we hear that theme a lot with motorcycle builders and designers and things like that. These bikes are just gorgeous. Each one I, I look at, I kind of just lose myself in. are. Yeah. Are there any favorites now that we're down? I mean, I, I don't want to get into the whole garage, but at this end of the building, from an artistic standpoint,
2: which one of these just really you know, stimulates your stoke, so to speak? Well, that's a really hard question. I'm going to take you over here and show you one that absolutely floats my boat in that degree. Well, number one, I'm going to show you this bike. This is a factory twin cam. I believe they made only five of these. This is number three. This is pure art. These fairings, this is a dustbin fairing with a tailpiece that was very fast, of course, on the track. But if it got into windy situations, it was a sail. So it would take the rider off the course and kill him. So this was these kind of fairings were outlawed in nineteen fifty seven. But it's pure art. It's an amazing and if you look at what's inside with a twin cam, look at the motor. You can't see that. But we're talking about one of the prettiest oh, wow. prettiest motors, especially from the far side. Right. And we don't get to see that, but the factory wow. teams, look at that motor. Right? How cool. Jim, isn't this that beautiful? Setup. Yeah, it's it is. pure
1: pure art. It's pure art. It's, well, you know, it's kind of that, that thing that the, the function is <coughs> so good
2: that mm-hmm. because it's so good, it's beautiful art by Show default. it off. Right? Fabulous. That's why I have some of the bikes with the fairings off so you can see them. How cool. But the factory team would go out and decide if the race was going to be windy, they might run it without a front fairing. They might run without a rear fairing or they might run with all the fairings. If they ran it naked, it would be like this here with the front fairing off. But they would decide each race. Right, based on the conditions. Based on the conditions. But come on in the other room and I'll show you. But the lines on this, back to the art, the lines, the color scheme, the mechanics. Look
1: at this. The handle, I mean the whole thing. You're right, it just gets tingly when you start looking at it and
2: appreciating it, right? Now, turn right here and I'm gonna show you this bike. Blood type on the tank. This bike is a homemade dustbin fairing, Ducati Grand Sport, Uh 125cc, 1956, that raced against the factory bike. Is that right? Don't you love it? (laughs) I love it. I love this bike. Hand hammered, tack where it should be. Remember, they didn't need a speedometer. All they wanted to be is right up there. Right. And you know when you have your blood type
1: on the tank? Yeah. You're you're in for the dime, in for the dollar on that ride. You're going (laughs) to crash.
2: You're going to go for it. But how beautiful is this bike? This was in the uh, San Francisco exhibition in 2011, I think. The Italian Gems. And I think more people like this than the fancy ones. Homemade. Mm -hmm. Beat-up racer. These guys went for it. But come on in the other room. The black horse, of course, was... Ferrari eventually said you can't use the black horse. They own the red horse. But in the old days, it was a. Uh, those were put on warships and uh, biplanes in World War One. The family that owned the block horse, but they had a trademark issue. As you can see, Ferrari is going to
0: win. Yeah. So we're walking into the next room, this back room. I love this room. In front of us is a. What era truck is this?
2: 1946 truck? Diamond T made in Chicago.
0: And I can't even begin to describe what is on the back. Let's see, it's Was it 12? Nine, nine, nine cylinder. Nine cylinder.
2: Radial. It's a Curtis Wright, 1250 horsepower radial that powered the DC-3 and also the B-17
0: with a full propeller
2: full propeller which is so hard I've never seen Uh one in a museum with a full propeller mostly they're cut off we believe it's in 1939 and I spent a summer in the DC-3 model you can see flying uh, in the mid east uh, in that plane and it was a scary experience a tail dragger of course when it takes off has to go down the runway so the pilots can see the runway dragging its tail eventually oh. it flies and uh, wow. really lots of noise lots of smoke when they start but that motor is sort of in my in my heart so i had to find one i bought it somehow got it out here
0: and even though it's not a motorcycle i think this is something that just heads it's a it's motor it's bad i'm sorry it's, I'm it's, it's bad <laughs> you fire that
1: thing everybody up, wants to fire it, up. fire it up yeah i've, I've seen they, those planes look at the exhaust
2: nuts. ports on it it's just huge right but,
0: and this that thing is what like 12 feet tall? Yeah,
2: it's pretty tall. It's pretty tall.
0: That is a big.
2: And it had to go on my Diamond T. I named my ranch after the Diamond T 50 years ago. I named a wine the Diamond T, the Diamond T. The company, of course, doesn't exist anymore. But it's important. This was my son's truck. So he built the flatbed, and I said, that's where the motor's going to go.
0: And back here, you have an oddball selection of bikes.
2: Back to your one question on the one art bike it has to be this bike. And a month ago, well, actually two months ago, my wife and I were asked to uh, show at the Vale Concours at the airport, where they had some neat planes. And I said, honey, go pick out a bike. This is the bike she picked out. This is pure jewelry. This is the Taurus. And you just need to look at all the little spark plug over here, the wrench, all the drillings, sand cast once again, factory race bike. Absolutely.
0: So so what year is this and where was it made?
2: This was made in Italy in nineteen fifty-six, once again. The heart leading length front end, like the like the girl, like our old BMWs. Like my R69S, they're amazing. But this is like one of the prettiest bikes. This is a jewel. You've got these wonderful protectors here. There and there. They they raced and they wanted to protect the pad, of course went here to protect your chest. You stuck your head down behind the fly screen, you held onto the front end, you went to the rear sets, and you floored it. Total (laughs) race (laughs) bike. Total race bike. You didn't sit straight up, you laid flat on that tank.
0: That's insane. You
2: push your butt back to the butt stop, some of them are more like this, they're a little more defined, but you go all the way back, lay on the tank. One hand on the bar, the other on the front fork and floor it. How? This what was is the top, so beautiful. What
1: was the top speed on, like, say, bike? If just on a straight, straightaway?
2: Well, they, they you know, they varied with the bike. Um, 60, 60, 70. Yeah. Top 70. Maybe. Top That's yeah. top, top, top. Because that just gives you an idea of how fast these guys are going through these little towns. That's my zero sure that. bike, and I set my own personal record this year. I got it up to 115 kilometers, which is
3: probably
2: about six, yeah, 65 seven, but I, I've been trying three years to do that I finally got a tailwind but there's my little bike but I once again was laid out just in the, in the classic manner you know because it's, it's everybody would race in the same manner once they were going as soon as you shift you go to the rear sets Right, and then you just
1: floor it so when you got into that moment so you're down on the bike you got fine. it wide open how big of a smile did you have on your face like was, at that moment is that just living I was it? so
2: I was down in the south part of uh, remember it feels like a 100 on a bike like this oh my god yeah. so I'm so happy and I, I went ahead and it's a timed rally so you're, it's not a speed rally we have our roll charts and I was behind so I said great I'm just going to kick it So I went into my position, Mm -hmm. and I just floored it, and I passed all the people that had been passing me. They just heard me coming, and a couple of the guys had a rest stop, and they heard me coming, and and they filmed it going by, and I was having so much fun. I was tucked right below the fly screen, Wow! and And I did that for about eight miles. And it was wow. so exciting. I bet it was exhilarating. Yeah. And I caught everybody that had passed me. I caught the Ducatis. I caught the Enviagusta. And you caught them in style. Oh, and I caught them on the left <laughs> side just blasting past them. But That's of course, awesome. they're, you know, they're going about 45. How fun! So it was really fun. But, I mean, 60 on a bike like this is amazing.
1: Well, yeah. I was on just a Nighthawk 250 late last night for no good reason. And once you get that up
2: to highway speed, you're
1: (laughs) 70 feels a lot faster than... But this was solid.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's a twin shock, sort of, with almost no shocks at either either end. But it was solid. There was no waiver. And when you tuck into that position, you know, feet on the rear, on the pillion pegs, and lean out, it's very solid. And you immediately go up 10 miles an hour that. Really? Yeah, I'll sit I'll sit on this bike, you know, on a normal ride, just on the normal, you know, you're reading your roll charts, mm-hmm. and it has clip ons but you're like this, okay? So when I realized I was going to try to, checkpoints, you know, they give you stickers, I've got to catch up so I'm late. So I go back to the pillions, I lay on the tape, <laughs> I hold it here. Oh,
0: no! And that's how I ride right there.
2: My eyes are just above the fly screen, and that's how I go. I tuck for aerodynamics and uh, and full pin. That's it. Of course, you have your helmet on. It's kind of silly, but you go up 10 miles an hour. That's amazing. (laughs) Just like that. You look completely natural. It feels good. (laughs) You do. I mean, you look. But you're tucked to here. You just come in, and it's just it's just a position you hold. And the wind goes right over here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and 60 feels like 90. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good little bike. That's awesome.
0: So Bye. we're here, and now we've walked through into your, your garage. This is where all of Bobby's tools are.
2: Restoration.
0: And Bobby's trying to hide in the corner. And like yes. like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, what's, what do you got here on the bench? Because this is a pile of rust. Bobby, here. tell
2: us what you just found. This is pretty cool.
0: This bike is, this We
3: is you know, we found cool. it. Rob found it somewhere and it's an old Boltaco, but we never could really figure it out because it had the strangest frame configuration it has a it's you know but Bultaco, we realized it was a Boltaco matisse motor center port motor but somehow somebody modified a frame and put a loop in it so it could pass through the down tube in the front and we didn't know if it's the factory that did that or something weird but So it sat hanging in our barn find room for a few months until some ex-dirt tracker came by looked up and said, hey, I used to race against that bike. And he knew the history of it. it turns out it was built by Irv Kanemoto, who shepherded Freddie Spencer to his many world championships. It was built for his nephew uh, to dirt track in the San Jose area. And so Irv is the one who modified the engine cases and the frame and it's as it sits is the way it raced back in the 60s I guess and uh, so we're going to get a hold of Irv and get the full story on it and I think it's a pretty significant piece because Irv is famous with Hondas and racing and two strokes in general, so it's a a very good piece we got a hold of. So these tires are from the 60s as well? Oh, yeah, they're definitely. This bike is as it it looks like somebody just parked it after its last race, and it just sat outside somewhere. These are flat track. And read the number, Bobby. Oh, yeah. And somebody stamped off all the frame numbers. I just got a nice little number two stamped on it, so there may be another one of these somewhere. I don't know. In. Yeah,
2: Isn't this great? But
3: somebody put
1: a lot of work into either, this bike. Either that or maybe number one ended up, um, you know, through the fence yeah, off the cliff into the somewhere. woods. <laughs> okay, we'll make this modification. Number sure, two was better.
3: But it, like, hopefully we'll get a hold of Herb and uh, get the full backstory on this bike, because it's great and it's, again, local history, you know, San Jose guy who went on to become world famous, and... Um, we got one of the bikes he started off with.
0: So is this going to be a resto? Oh
3: God, no! It is thing thin, as it. is.
0: Okay, as yeah. is.
3: See the value? Remember,
2: I don't want to lose that. Uh, I, I like don't want to lose that and make it look like the other bike.
0: And I like the giant fat welds on the engine case.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, right up here, and there are no numbers on the case. Bobby showed me this yesterday. All the. Yeah. Prop, and up here too on the front.
3: Somebody uh-huh. made.
2: This they motor made it fit
3: into this chassis. <laughs> That's awesome. Now,
2: how cool is that? that is
3: not, now,
2: um, yeah. K70s total race tires.
1: Yeah. That's Matisse what they ran.
3: Motor, Matisse motor in a Sherpa S frame.
1: Now, will you get this bike up and running? <clears throat> no. Okay. <laughs> all right. She's no fine. need to. Just I clean it up. Frozen. Just clean it up. and.
2: But look at all the tabs for the number plates. I was excited to find the two because I thought it might have been factory, but it was built to race. Look at that. So, Bates, look at this old Bates peg, I mean. Oh yeah. All cool stuff.: Wow. But it sat outside for over 20 years, which is a shame, but so I still you, bought it because I said, this is a nice bike.
0: Is this going to go in the unrestored room?
2: No, it was there. It goes down with the other flat trackers. See, I'm going to shake things up. You know, you don't see a bike like this in the barber next to a 100 no. percent rebuilt bike. you will here. People love this stuff. Yeah. And it's what I love right so here.
0: So, I want to see... I love this room that you made here, the unrestored room. So, you designed it so it looks like an old barn-type garage, right? Yes. It's got the old barn door, giant padlock, pad.
2: Repurposed 1920 garage from Carmel, this. The woods from Wyoming, repurposed snow fence. The horseshoes from my wonderful horse, Memphis and would you like to open the door can i yeah. door?
0: Yeah. so and what you have in here is you have it looks like what would this be like the 40s era
2: oh it goes from the 20s to the 30s to the 40s everything in here except one bike came from my Barnes at home
0: this looks none like of it was bought like an old style garage you've got the workbench the, the toolboxes the tools you've got pieces of a truck on the wall
2: yeah, well, it's not <laughs> yeah. my old cow, Charlie.
0: Yeah, you've got a cow skull, steering size. wheel, saw, license plate. I'm sorry, well, it smells good. Of
2: this
3: building and Harley, in the connection to Harley Davidson, It's exactly
2: the size of the original Harley building, the garage where they built their first Harley. This size, I didn't realize that when. Yeah, I built we should
0: it. say we're in what a ten by six, fifteen, maybe what? Yeah, yeah. ten by fifteen.
2: Ten
0: by fifteen, <clears throat> wood shed. Which really, I love this room because it really gives you the feel of back in the day. Yes. What people had to work with. Yes. And you got like farm equipment hanging on the wall. Is that what that is? Or is oh, that this that a, is a drill a press. press. Uh, that's a hand drill this press. This is a hand
2: drill press, press built in wow. ni- eight, 1893. There's
0: the, it cost $10. Wow.
2: Below a prison made truck license plate from Montana. But this is the drill press that they used at this point.
0: And you got some racing leathers and gas old tanks stuff. And
2: one of my old helmets.
0: <laughs> this is where he put stuff. But the bikes in here. We've got a Steen. I've never Steen, heard of this. Steen Hodaka, 1939.
2: That's this Hodaka. raced. it okay. Raced at uh, Daytona Beach in the 100cc class. Wow. I found this in a in a barn in Austin, Nevada, on the 50. Uh, I was at a bar and a guy saw my t-shirt and said you like British bikes? So we went up and I bought this bike from this giant gold miner. He was huge Look at him on the wow. off. He was like six foot eight. He would desert race this bike. So I bought this This came out of Prunedale 15 years ago, and I kept it because of well when we raced we sometimes hit the tank So guys guys are just intrigued. This is a runner too but I won't restore this bike, black plate. And my old tools, just I, I like tools. You know, we need tools. We wrench.
0: And a four foot long wrench.
2: A super long wrench.
0: Did that come from the, the oil fields or something?
2: Oh, I don't know. I
0: don't, I've had it
1: forever. <laughs> yeah, that or a ship. I have a question. A tool question. Know, do stuff, you? Uh, yes. Do you have a favorite hammer? A lot of mechanics we talk to ends up, we ask them what's your favorite tool and most of them are like, I got a hammer.
2: Yes, yes. Do you I, have any hammers you like in particular? Oh, I, I have. Oh, let me show you. I'll have two. <laughs> if you peek here, it's not this one. I'll be right. I'll just grab
1: it.
0: So, I think it's funny that we often ask, What's your favorite tool? But now we've just narrowed it down. What's your favorite <laughs> <Yeah>. hammer? <laughs> we
1: know what everyone's favorite tool uh, is. Let's, let's see. just see the oh, hammers. Oh,
0: okay. So this uh, is it's a ball peen. A ball okay.
2: It's like pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This
2: is probably its third handle. And we just did this the other day. Wow, that's
0: a heavy ball peen.
2: I don't know where this what came from, hand. this handle, but we repurpose all of our. So, a big one and a little one. This is on probably its fourth handle. I love these hammers. Nice. They work. Right, I know. they work they're like like effortless. You can just feel the magic in the in the weight. So I put a short handle on this because I use it for bigger tasks. I don't need a big one. Not great. I don't know how old the head is, but I never throw my tools away. I just put handles on them. Exactly. Everybody should do that.
0: I know, but the thing is, a hammer is a tool you have to work your way up to.
2: Yes, a good one, and they're old. You see, these are old. I love my it. new hammers are not my favorite. I love it. This probably started. I worked for a car, uh, used car lot, very used car lot, selling 40s and 50s cars in Colorado Springs. And I worked for him all summer and I apprenticed, and he taught me a lot. That would have been 1966. And at the end of the summer, he gave me a top box, and I started to put my tools in that box. And so the tools that I had were mostly used. You know, I didn't go to the Snap-on truck. I just found good tools. They don't make you know. them like they used to. And they're great, and I still have all those tools, of course, but... uh,
0: Nice! Bobby
2: wrenches now, but... When I break a handle, it's like, really a bummer. So I go find another one and make it like this, I I came off of something else. It works. Hammers are wonderful, though. Mm -hmm. uh, The older the steel... I have a set of wood tools from 1860 to 1880, and I built a mortise and tenon barn. Up on my ranch. Nice. No nails, beautiful six I can sixes. imagine. Oh, wow. And those are some mortising tools, sit on drill presses, all that stuff. Wow. Because there was no power. That is. And cool. I lived off the grid with uh, a whole earth catalog, Stuart Branch, yeah. uh-huh. as my guide, and I lived almost nine years without any electricity, and it was wonderful. That's amazing. So my old tools, you know, I love slicks and big. You know.
0: Are you a right. hippie? <laughs>
2: uh oh. <laughs> Bourbon and country. <laughs> ah, okay. Bourbon and uh, bluegrass. Alright. That's our kind of hippie.
0: So let's rattle off some of the bikes that are back here in this room. <laughs> okay. Well, so, you, you gotta have the BMW. This is mine.
2: It's been bumped to a liter, a thousand mm-hmm. cc's. It's just a really fun bike, but it's Kind of a 7 out of 10, so I can ride it without worrying it's Bobby. R90S. R90S, 76.
0: And I love that this has become a highly collectible bike, but it's still a bike people will ride.
2: Oh, yeah. I, if I want to go uh, anywhere on this, I can ride it, and I have all the bags for it. Mm hmm. My favorite BMW, other than my GS, is this 1965. This is, City Bike wrote this up as the buried Beamer. Because hmm. in the big basin fire of 08, yeah. it was buried with a tractor in a cliff. Um, a bobcat with a loader buried it. And 30 days after the fire went through, the guy dug it out. And I bought it from him. Rebuilt the motor, but I left the outside exactly wow. the way it is. And I do the California Melee on this. Which is a pretty wild event, 72 and earlier, but we pretty much go full pin. I've done over 3,000 miles on this bike.
0: Is it an R60? What is
2: it?
1: R69S.
0: Okay.
2: I was just noticing the, uh, the badges on the
1: back. Do you yes. have a story behind those? Well, they came from Europe. Right. And I just thought they'd look good. So they look really cool, yeah. Monaco and the other one? Strasbourg. Strasbourg, yeah. No, and it, it, and why not? It know? looks great
2: on the bike. They're fully. just kind of fun. This one, the Spirit of the Quail, three years ago, as a rider. And I do, I do timed events, and I do just, if I want to get on and go to S- Santa Cruz and visit my friend Ben, I'm in Freedom, I'll ride this bike. And so he, ben and Tim did the mechanical work, but it's a really strong motor.
0: Now, just in keeping with the eclectic taste yeah. here, up next we have...
2: My DR. The
0: Suzuki DR350. DR, which I bought okay. 10
2: years ago, and I've put 4,000 miles on this. I love it. We just put the new tires on the trials tires. How soft these are, Jim. These are so I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be able to oh. grip and it over to the side. Right, and and you,
1: you got these running what about 12 pounds, 10, 12 pounds? They sell? About yeah.
2: 18 or yeah, so. Okay. But this has been a pike's peak. This has been all over the west, 395, all the passes, and a lot of dirt. I love this bike. It's a 350. Great.
0: Just so you know, you don't want to invite Jim to touch your bikes. He is motosexual. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, not to mention, I also share his fine taste for the dr three fifty. Oh,
2: it's a great thumper. And
1: I'm, I'm digging the modifications with the lights. The tires are great. I was
2: yeah. Racing. We've done these. We've done these. We did bigger pedals. Right. Bobby did a brush guard for when I'm going through the, I was gonna do the tap and trail across America with this mm-hmm. and I may still from Wyoming to Montana. Right. Excuse me, Mexico to Montana.
1: You know, one of the things that I, I appreciate about this bike the is it's still to... got the, the metal gas tank. Yeah. Right. Which was I thought was cool until last weekend when I made my brake lever a shorty. I yeah. also found the, the the not so good
2: part about metal gas can tanks, but uh, but that's all right. Cool bike. Oh, it's a neat bike. K pig sticker. So this has been all over I, I've taken uh, in the back of my RV in the past, and we and I just go out and do the do the passes, mm-hmm. just do them, you know, out of the five fifty out of Silverton, Red okay. Mountain, and perfect, all fur, and it's a great, it's a great bike. Yeah, it just goes. And we probably have Bobby went through the carburetors. It's probably got forty horsepower now. Yeah. So, but um, it really has a lot of torque now. Nice, he cleaned up
1: some of the stuff that. That's cool. Didn't need to be on it. I'll leave it at okay. that. Okay, I'm going to be selfish and ask one more question. Yes. Is this, I'm driving her crazy, but did you do any suspension modifications on this? Nope. Just left it stock?
3: Yep, yeah, yep. He hasn't cried about anything like that yet. All right. No, cool. I'm
2: fine. I've never
1: bottomed it out or anything. Well, you're a little more fit than I am, so that might be my suspension issue right there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, go purple.
3: Yeah. Go I mean, purple.
2: Should I put a black seat on it? Maybe I'll stay purple. Yeah, I like it.
0: All right, so, so I want to, I want. We got to get down to the basement. Okay, let's go. So to, let's just rattle off real quickly, just in succession, what these next few bikes are.
2: This is a 2001 Vespa that we decided. Bobby decided he had something to do, a lot to do with the original Rick Krakoff bike that they did to uh, represent Coach.
0: So Coach handbags. Handbags. This so is. This
2: became a Coach Vespa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we call this a spectacle this thing is covered in it's brown tan red and white it's got c's all over this is a coach vespa piaggio apparently. one of three
2: in the world one it's, of three it's one of three
0: it's very special yeah yeah and then next to that
2: paul smart yeah. thousand cc you got
0: a paul smart Ducati, Ducati. which is great and then next to that
2: is my beautiful MV it to 350 1976 This was one of the most modern bikes of its time. You're seeing twin discs on the front, disc on the back, electronic ignition, snowflake, cast aluminum wheels, which I absolutely love, Magni tuned it, Magni pipes, Magni. This is a really fast bike, and of course the lines all flow. You can pick up the lines from the motor, from the head, starting even up here, and they all go all the way back. see the frame, look at this this is just a gorgeous bike and I just put 100 miles on this chasing (laughs) supercars out of Walcott Colorado just two weeks ago and it did pretty well it It's just under a hundred mile an hour bike, but it it handles really, really well all right, so very rare too, it was right before they went out of business. It was their last really pretty three fifty twin.
0: The sad thing though, this is such a beautiful bike, but right behind it. <laughs> you have this, so I, I'm going to try my best to describe it. So, okay, you
2: describe okay, it. Okay,
0: well, it's a we know it's a '69 Bonneville 650. Yes. Rat chopper. Yes. This thing is straight up vent. This is like late '60s, early '70s. It's got that that. Double height seat. It's got the what is Cadillac.
2: 59 Cadillac, Cadillac tail lights. lights.
0: Come, both coming out of one side. Yeah. It's got the tall sissy bar with a skull on it. Yeah. It's got the uh, looks like handmade square tubing, like one one and a quarter inch stock square tubing handlebars. Hmm. Uh, Springer. Yeah, the what's that like a eight over Springer front end? Pretty crazy. Maybe with a thin uh, like twenty one inch front wheel, uh, extended forward controls. Indian
2: the, Indian front fender the, on the rear.
0: Indian front fender on the rear <laughs> with spikes.
2: Nineteen forty one.
0: The re, the brake lever rod <laughs> is about five feet long. <laughs> And the thing that's four foot, four foot, four foot. Four foot the already. thing that's crazy about this thing is no brakes. It's charred.
2: Yes, it burned to the ground. <laughs> yes. It used to be candy apple red. It's an outlaw bike built in 1970, probably after a road crash, and it was built up and then unfortunately caught fire. Maybe it was Lucas. We don't know.
1: Well, I will say it shares great burning up in flames history with the original Easy Rider bike, which also blew up in flames. Oh, uh, yes. But, yes. So well, it's but this one cool runs.
2: <laughs> but yeah. I rode this in Bradley three weeks ago, right through the middle of town. You
1: rode this three weeks ago?
2: Yeah, three weeks ago. It's I take runner.
1: back everything I was thinking about you.
2: It's a runner. No. <laughs> it's scary. It's the most dangerous bike I've ever ridden. But the Rat Chopper is truly a special bike, and I will never change it.
0: I can't believe you've ridden it.
2: Oh, yeah, many I times. I rode it through the quail, and everybody, their mouth, just, <laughs> they, just, they were speechless. I went full throttle through the quail. It's pretty loud. Did you wear the Captain America helmet? <laughs> no, okay. I, I didn't even have a helmet on. But, and,
0: and but it know. runs. I want to talk real quick about a bike over here in the corner that you normally wouldn't see in a motorcycle museum. Okay. You might see it in the parking lot outside the museum. (laughs) Yes. So what's the story with this uh, BMW uh, GS? Is this an 1100? It's 1150.
2: 1150, okay. It's a 2002. I bought it from a friend. We used to adventure camp on these bikes Back around two thousand one, two, and three, and by that I mean we'd go into the woods, usually off of three hundred ninety five or Oregon, the Cascades. We'd have ice in one pannier with our beer, and the rest <laughs> of it, our seats, our axes, our clothing, our sleeping bags, and we'd go for seven days and just camp by the bikes, by lakes, by rivers. So it's a wonderful bike. And then in two thousand eleven I decided to travel around America one of my three times and I thought this would be a great bike and it was so I bought it from the guy it was pretty I was the third owner at that point about 55,000 miles and we decided to do America and you can see from the map we rode for 46 days visiting accounts for a company that I was my long-term company that I was uh, getting rid of
0: is that the dragon?
2: the dragon! Yeah, ah, nice.
0: I, I got the same pictures too.
2: It's, uh, yeah, the guy on the corner. I, there, I was trying to catch him back to the left, but this thing turns into a small race bike when you give it gas. Oh, yeah. It is not a tank. It looks like a tank here, but... Once you get up and going. Oh, it's great. We did it. We did the Dragon twice. We had so much fun, we just turned around and scorched it twice. (laughs) Scraped all the bags. Scraped the center stand. I was rubbing steel the whole way. I love it.
0: So another thing I like about this museum is... It's not just a museum of bike history. It's a museum of Rob's history. This is
2: my history. (laughs) And
0: this thing is so... It still has the yeah. GPS system yeah. on it, which is, does belong in a museum now.
2: Well, it's very old, thank you. I probably b- belong in a museum, but...
0: Yeah, the bike's still good, the navigation system.
2: But it's a great running bike, mm-hmm. and this it's, uh, there are a million miles left in it, but right now I have, to, I have to relish and respect its history. Mm-hmm. So and I mean, I've seen, we have crashed in rivers in the White Mountains on the Topaz Lake and laid this thing down and Mike owned it then and fish came out of the muffler (laughs) it was laid completely over with bubbles and then finally fish and we got it up, fired it up and fish blew out the muffler (laughs)
0: This
3: has had a hard Our life. Dinner. Hey. <laughs> Dinner.
2: <laughs> well, they weren't big enough to eat or keep, but I mean, I love this bike.
0: So if you were to head out again for one more trip, would you take this bike?
2: Well, I, I bought a, a, a four-year-old GS, a uh, 1200, uh, and I would take the GS. Big difference, oh, isn't it? Oh, my word, what a bike. It I doesn't know. clunk when you shift. I know. The HP2 motor is so fast. I love it. So that's there my right. baby. And I put bags on that, too. So I would take the GS. And I have Clearwaters, been up at Freedom put Clearwaters on the LED lights. All my cop buddies love that. That's where I go with all them, you know, my GS buddies who are now going to Harley. Can't right. catch a cold with a Harley. I don't know what they're gonna do.
1: I know I know Liza's thinking about changing gears here, but I can't leave the room if we're not gonna hear some Isle of Man stuff. Okay,
2: okay. So I'm gonna interject. Okay. I apologize, Liza. No, no, please, Jim. This is this story is a new story for me it's within the last year but obviously British bikes are hugely part of American history and the Isle of Man is of course frankly the most dangerous race we talked about Italy but today Mm -hmm. it's the remaining most dangerous race in the world and there was a gentleman who was OCD he campaigned this bike right here for at least five years, I'm still getting history on it and it's a 500 Manx, no, excuse me, it's a Gold Star. This exact bike holds the record still up until maybe this year it broke in August for 99.3 average. Average speed, no Man, kidding. Wow. Which is a ma- average.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, I know, I get it, yeah.
2: And he ended up um, with a serious health problem mm-hmm. and ended up um, sick. His last race was at 14. And he died, um, unfortunately, this year. And another piece of art. I mean, I'm I'm just just admired just drooling over the whole thing. So somebody told me to talk to one of the county administrators, and it was a sad story, you know, the house Mm. was being... Auctioned, and he, he was behind in debt. But all of this was in his house. Mm-hmm. So I started to go over and talk to the administrator, and it was a closed bid, and I bid way over the second bid. Mm-hmm. But for me, Ron Hellum right here, this gentleman, I needed right. everybody knew him, Gold yeah. star Ron. He only ran this bike, and his goal was to break 100 average. Mm. And he tried his whole life. He got to within 99.3 and then passed away. Mm. He had three or four different riders riding it. It's, it's a worn-out race bike, but it is solid goal for me. It, mm, yeah. When Paul Dobbs died, the reason that he put the PD on the fender is so that if he won, Paul Dobbs would cross first. I mean, he was a really neat guy. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So there's all this. Valley Fab did this work here, of course, in my winery. I used to use them in Salinas. Yeah. So I asked the administrator, would you please give me the provenance with the bike, and I will put him a fairly mm-hmm. high bid, and instead of a couple thousand, you know, mm-hmm. I'll make a, a reasonable bid. So he gave me his his, he gave me all of this. Wow, amazing.
1: I and mean, this, this is a small museum unto itself. When you talk about the yes. Isle of Man, the history, the history of this bike, and then the story that, that you can now share with people, you know, about, about why we're here, the relationships of, of people, a community, and motorcycles. But this,
2: I have the whiskey from the Isle of Man that he gave me. This is the same bike with number 24 on it. All his pictures we have, his pit passes, you know, the Manx, they'd go over. He would ship other Gold Stars. He had two other Gold Stars road bikes over, and then he would ride those all over. This young lady is the daughter of one of the founders, and she, Rachel, she autographed this to Ron. She's one of the, I don't have my glasses on, but... Solid Isle of Man history Everything here is You know, obviously he was trying to find sponsors Money was always an issue Racing is so expensive But the people that knew him And so many people Knew and loved Ron They can now come And they can see What I've done for him
0: That's great they can, I,
2: And they can tell me more stories
0: Yeah, I love the emblem on the side of yeah, the Yeah, isn't
2: that amazing? Well, this bike was his baby, and it, it, it's pretty beat up, but I'll tell you, this is such a... You know, he had a lot of DNFs, you can see. It was a homemade race bike, but he went out there with his guys, and they were running well over 100 miles an hour or two, mm-hmm. to to average 99.3. Mm-hmm. I think that record broke this August. But incredibly historic bike. And the Isle of Man, I mean, mm-hmm. when you go off the road, that's what you hit. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, how many people died last year? It's just mm-hmm. terrible. So I think eventually it's going to be... I'm amazed they're still running it.
0: Yeah. But, well, let's go downstairs. But, um, there's a whole other room to hit.
2: Yes, there's another room. But this is always going to be here for Ron. Uh-huh. Out of respect. Here are all the tech stickers. Yeah. I'm so glad to get this. And I think Isle of Man is,
1: is definitely one of the pinnacles of oh. racing, if not the, right? Hill climb, it's, it's
2: Pike's Peak. Right. Especially in the old days, Isle of Man for the road. Yeah.
0: So just when you think you're done there's a stairwell <laughs> and you just think oh what's down here it doesn't look like oh, there's the much the I don't know we're just going down to the basement maybe this is storage but no it opens up you, you smell the fresh paint so you know this is new I'm waiting to start smelling the oil drips
2: <laughs> Oh, there are plenty of oil drips. <laughs>
0: okay, now all right, so now we're down in the basement. We're in a whole nother room. How many bikes are down here
2: About 50 or 60
0: 50 or 60 and they almost all of them have knobby tires. Yes there, there is a, yes. definitely a theme going here. And once again, we're talking everything from mopeds and mini bikes. Uh, there's a Triumph Trident. There's a bunch of Triumphs. You've got trackers. You've got really cool Harley Davidson 750. Yes, Tracker. Ironhead. Beautiful yes, bike. Beautiful. Now, something like this, are you getting this restored or do you this, restore it?
2: This has been restored. The reason. As I said, for me, I have to pick my Harleys carefully because I don't really ride Harleys at this point. I did in the past. They're great bikes, but I tend more to to the bikes that that carve canyons. This is such an iconic bike in American history. It's still winning races 15, 18 years later. This bike raced Pikes Peak in the summer, and of course I had to have it. It had a different... It. I had to have a different. Um, it has a different tail, which was up in the barn fine room. The XR
0: seven hundred and fifty.
2: This specific bike, race bike speak? This. Yeah. This specific uh, race bike, race bike speak in the summer, on the gravel, and as we know, it's now paved, and now it has guardrails. But, but this this race back in the day. I mean, you've got to have this bike. This is a. Fina- they still win races.
0: Oh
2: yeah. Um, I, I it, love the flat track stuff. And I, that little bike that we saw the Bultaco will join these in that condition. The lines on this bike are beautiful. Oh, it's a yeah. beautiful bike. So,
0: how many of these bikes were your personal bikes that you rode down here?
2: Well, boy, let's see. Hey. Starting with the Victor, the four forty one Victor, the Roundhead. Okay. Rode that until I got tired of having my ankles broken by the compression. <laughs> <laughs> Then I moved on to the Saks. This was my first Colorado race bike in motocross in 1970. It's a Scrambler with a beautiful leading link front end, 125 porcupine head. There I am as number 80 wow. on one of my early races on this bike. It's a pretty, pretty capable little bike, but I wanted more horsepower, so I moved on to a 125 Yamaha and put a 175 head on it and this bike I re refound after 22 years it was buried in a shed, I did restore it because it was in pretty bad shape this was, I bought this in 1970 then when I ran out of horsepower on that as you do I bought a 360 to race in the open class and my most significant race is right here 250 people <laughs> dropped the flag, that's Pikes Peak January first, middle of the winter. Ah!
0: Oh.
2: It looks like utter chaos. Utter chaos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to remind people: this is when Pikes Peak was a dirt road. Yeah.
2: Pikes Peak was a dirt road, and I've already worked through the whole crowd, and there I am at the front, number forty-four, with a hole shot. That was me, <laughs> and this is the. Oh, bias. that
0: hippie! Is that not right? not hippie! I'm say, look at <laughs> that I am not. <laughs>
2: In Colorado Springs, which had five military places, from NORAD to Fort Carson to the Air Force Academy, I used to wear a little sticker here that when Colorado Springs had their centennial, so my little sticker said, I am not a hippie. This is a centennial beard. (laughs) Because everybody had beards then. So the 360, and that's a race that I could talk about all day, but I've never forgotten it. And I went back on the DR, there's my DR, uh, two years ago, 44 years later, and I went, wow, it's all paved. There's all these guardrails. It's okay. guard there's all the fun out. <laughs> but it was 32 below zero that day. You're kidding. At the top. Oh my
0: God.
2: And so I did pretty well, so I had to wait for the slow guys, and we almost froze to death. We just kept the thing running with our head, hands on the head. Wow. And I never owned a Husky, that's why I had to have one. Mm-hmm. And I had 14 other bikes, but they're not all here. Jawas, the Mach 1 Widowmaker, uh, an R60 BMW, Bridgestones, Suzukis, and they were just learn, crash and trade them. So uh, these bikes on the other side are bikes that are just of interest to me, such okay. as the little Montessa.
0: I have a question yes. about one. Yes, yes. Explain that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we saw that in
0: Seoul night. Oh my God!
2: We saw that bike in Solingen. You did. No, no, no. This one.
0: We we showed a picture at the garage. Oh, well, of
2: that's so funny. Okay. This,
0: um. So we have to explain. This is what. This is a. This is Chinese a, knockoff of It's, a it's two
2: knockoff a, a knockoff of a German. Of a German. So it's two knockoffs past 1937 in Germany. A side valve. I think it was an R, I don't know, 42 or whatever. So the Russians grabbed two of these, took them to Russia, repurposed them, and made the, the Russian equivalent of the German equivalent. And then after a bit, they went through World War II. Then the Chinese grabbed a couple of the Russian ones, took them to China, and made the Yangtze longest the yellow river right the longest river in China so this is two copies passed and this is hilarious it has a Mongolian paint job I've been told okay. they like these colors my good English friend that grew up in London said he had a lunchbox to, <laughs> that matched these Seat covers, so, so it's a Denfield copy.
0: It's a royal blue frame and forks with a like an apple red <laughs> fender <laughs> tank, and then a black and red plaid pattern seat covers yes. that looks like a picnic table.
2: It looks like a picnic table, and would you believe it, uh, the motor is seized. <laughs> <laughs> My only bike that has a seized motor that I know of.
0: So, if it's a Chinese, it's probably got what, 383 miles on it? That's usually the average for these, right?
2: Well, let's see, it doesn't have very many on. I'm not sure when it's seized. Uh,
0: 94 miles.
2: It has 94 miles.
0: (laughs) They (laughs) were hard miles.
2: The reason I bought it, I'm going to put a little you know, a pedestrian slicer here, like the Triumph on the front, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have it done in Chinese script, and it'll be a Chinese menu, like oh, wow. chop yes. suey or <laughs> wonton soup or something, I'm going to have that on here, but, but the reason I bought it, because all my friends said, you can't buy that. This is the ugliest bike I've ever seen. You can't buy it. And I said, really? (laughs) I'm going to do it on Tuesday. So I bought it. Well, you never know. So I love to offend them, and they they don't understand this bike. But I get it. It's hilarious.
0: It's like a joke. It is. It's
2: wonderful.
1: It's
0: as close as you get to a whoopee cushion of a bike.
2: It has a reverse because it was a sidecar bike. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: That's what I was just going to say. I said, there's one, maybe those 94 miles were ridden in reverse because wow. this can ride it.
2: This can go in reverse. <laughs> but I have fun just because I can. See, this is all
0: 1930. That's not like
2: oh. a BMW. BMW. BMW Really? Yeah, I've never yeah, seen levers, levers. Where, they're, where they're mounted to the tip of the bar. Yeah. But That's I actually cool. love this bike and I just sit back and I watch people come and they just get so offended and I just <laughs> smile.
0: All right, so if okay. I had, had asked you, what's your favorite bike in here and why?
2: Next to this 1958 okay. Alla this is one of the prettiest so wait, road so bikes you'll ever see in your life. This is gorgeous.
0: Is that an American-made Italian bike? It's
2: Italian. <laughs> Harley hadn't bought it quite yet. I don't know about the sticker. So they yeah, bought it in 1960. Okay. But this is a beautiful bike. Look how pretty this is. Mm-hmm. This is gorgeous, sandcast. Fabulous Italian, one piece. Aramaki,
0: Harley Davidson,
2: but it's Aramaki. It's all Italian.
0: With the what kind of fairing do you call that?
2: Well, um, it's you know it's just a full front fairing. It's
0: full just, front fairing, yeah, like a race fairing. Yes, such as
2: such as the MV here. But these are two of the prettiest bikes you'll ever see, and well, they have good company. <laughs> I got a, a question It's not on this side, I see, but on this side of the tank, it looks like the tank actually starts a little ways back, and there's, right. this, there's this screen. That, that would be on. an intake. Okay. That would be an intake. So... And also, do you see this little indentation? Mm-hmm. That's for your chin. Because you put your head down low. Remember road racing? Wow. That's for your chin. And some of these have very, very prominent... Um, for example, this MV Agusta, which is one of the prettiest, what is it, a 56, I think? You see how you sit with this long race tank? You see these little guys? They hold the pad, okay? See the rear set pegs?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You can shift up and down, way back here, but they're not normally where they would be up front. This is a full-on race bike. Once again, see the butt stop? push all the way back the riders were much smaller than i am you lay on this pad usually swayed you put your head down once again you come up to your front and that's how you race below the right behind the fly screen but this is a proper race bike rear sets place for your pad and then your chin sits right down here so that's how they rode them
0: this is why this bike this is why Italians don't have beer bellies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be. You had to be small like a jockey. You look at the riders, and they're all really small. But this German bike—I mean, have you seen this head anywhere? This, uh, you guys are riders. Look at the head and tell me where that came from.
0: Is this East German?
2: It's German, yeah. We're probably East German. I don't. It's a
0: Rennsport
2: 250, 1954. This predates Yamaha. They copied that head. This is a Mm two-stroke. This is the beginning of the Yamaha two-stroke twin cylinder. This is a killer race bike, Jim. By the way,
1: yeah. First, I heard that story.
2: It's a two-stroke. Oh, I bet.
1: Yeah, bet you feel alive when you hop on the throttle with that this thing. Yeah,
2: this thing would scream. We're just going to put the number plate on the front. This was like an armor racer up until uh, two years ago.
1: And stock color scheme, you think? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had I mean, it all works.
2: It's Adler, of course, is German for eagle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we've seen that eagle before.
0: So let's um, go back upstairs. I want to get the story okay. on the Widowmaker.
2: Okay, I, I got a question about what purpose this it bike? It's a Chinese chopper. Can I sit on it? You, sure. Jim,
0: our, Mike, it's just sure. so you know, you pick the one bike you can buy at the flea market. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, you can buy these all day long. I bought it in Truckee at garage sale just because it's... <laughs> Do I look crazy or what? No, you can ride that. That, that is, is crazy. so it's cool. It's, it's, it's about a $1,000 bike. Yeah. It's so awesome, though. I love the little mini... <laughs> It's a Chinese chopper. It feels pretty solid. Why is it here? Well, (laughs) you're starting to know me now. Now you know why it's here.
0: Mike, make an offer. (laughs) You might get it.
2: I sold the other one for 200 bucks the other day.
0: No, Get out
2: of here. Are you serious? You're a little late. The funny part,
1: it's your bike collection that you sit on in the entire place. I love it. I
2: think it's famous. But why not? Why not?
1: Why not? It's still
2: a motorcycle. Why not? I'm not George Barber. (laughs) He's a great man, but I don't have to worry about this. Let me...
0: Explain though Mike's wife is pregnant So he's looking at anything on two wheels That's very very small right now I, he's already cars. thinking. I can tell he's thinking of what game. the kid will ride.
2: The kid will. So yeah. just so you know, this right. wasn't for him. This is not for my him
0: I would totally ride this
2: it. The <laughs> you see me on Sunday. I've two hundred bucks. I'll buy it. Let's go. We'll go to ride. So ride it, ride it until the kid can. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm gonna make the kid a purple chopper
0: with unicorns. So let's go upstairs. let <laughs> will go upstairs. Oh, yeah.
2: Hot shoe. Mike, check this out. Mike, a you real hot four? shoe. Oh 1958. Laying that the thread? beads on awesome. 1958. He's Speedway, a left, foot, huh? left only left yeah, foot. Yeah, no, Speedway bikes. No brakes, left foot only. Mm-hmm. There he is. Is that steel? Yeah. Shit. See the story. This is Ole, and I can tell his story. He's still alive, and so I'm going to write a big story about him. He's a cool dude. Wow. Cool dude. Yeah. Well, Back in 1969, I'd been racing for about two and a half years, and Colorado College was right next to Fort Carson, and all of us wanted to go fast in those days, and I thought I was a pretty good motocrosser, and I had just started hill climbing, and so I assumed that I could ride most bikes because we were riding every all of us would trade off on our bikes you know if somebody got a new Bonneville we'd book. trade yeah we're always changing bikes it's so this thing came out and to me it's a really pretty paint scheme it's just a gorgeous bike the sound of it 25,000 volts of electronic ignition when I first saw this bike it just screamed it was a triple it was two stroke it was pretty and it wasn't a lot of money and so I went looking for a used one, and I found this bike uh, from a soldier from Ohio. The license plate's still in, in the barn find and shed, we and not bought it used. So this is a 69... 1969... Kawasaki. Kawasaki. It's top speed. It was the fastest bike sold in America at that point. They said it did 120 miles an hour.
0: So it's an H1 Mach 3.
2: H1 Mach 3. Triple. This Sweet is... Triple. And when you fired it up, it, it was low on the revs up until about 5. I rode it recently, and I remembered once you hit about 5,000, it just took off. It just screamed.
0: You rode this recently. It looks like it's mm-hmm. fresh off the showroom floor. It's a
2: beautiful restoration. This is one of my few really nice full restorations. Right. But I rode it, took it out on a road, and it was, it's tagged, currently tagged. And the blue smoke starts piling out, and you're waiting for it to take off. And I'd forgotten it was a long time since I'd ridden it. Oh my lord! It took off, <laughs> and its attack it, just starts flying, and you're just you go back on the seat. I mean, it's really a powerful bike.
0: Just remember: do not armor all the seat.
2: Oh yeah, never. <laughs> Good armor lesson. All the seat, right? You
0: learn the hard way.
2: Yeah, don't ever touch the seat. Okay. So I rewrote it again. But the reason the reason that it would, uh... hi guys. The reason that, that it, would, it was such a dangerous bike is I, I, It was one of my first road bikes And the thing went way over 100 And it didn't handle well, it didn't stop well And the young guys would put a pillion yeah, they just, I mean, it just didn't stop And, and the brakes would fade And we ran them hard But the guys would put the girls on the back And then it would wheelie mm-hmm. And so if they weren't hanging on, they would fall off And they had a program uh, ride before you buy program up somewhere in Menlo Park near San Francisco. Mm -hmm. One of the dealers, it was up near Woodside. It could have been up by 35 anyway. In 1969, the soldiers were coming back full of adrenaline, just like World War II, and they coming out of the Vietnam War, and they wanted something fast. So they would test ride these, and they had three fatalities in 30 days at that dealership wow. Test before you buy and they stopped that program. Mm-hmm. And eventually it was called the Widowmaker because it was so dangerous. They Kawasaki, you know, improved the motor. The 750 was even faster, but they made it handle better. Mm-hmm. And obviously they worked on the brakes. But this was an iconic first screaming bike. And I ended up selling it because I was afraid that I was going to kill myself, just like the soldier from Fort Carson. And it's an interesting story because I thought I could handle it with my riding history, but it it was a dangerous bike. I eventually bought a used R60 slash with bags and traveled all over that BMW. It was a wonderful bike, two up, and it was a lot safer bike. But it's here because of my history, and it's a really pretty
0: bike. It's interesting, because you said earlier that you like the adrenaline. I mean, you you do racing, yet on the street, you seem to be very practical and smart. You're choosing the BMWs.
2: I chose BMWs because it was more, well, it was just a safer, better vehicle for what I wanted to do, to travel around Colorado. The street... For me, I have to be incredibly defensive on the street. I've been hit once in 50 years, and my bike was total, my leg was total, the car was total. And I don't ever want to do that again. I ride very defensively, and every single car on the road is my enemy. So uh- I'm very worried, and the BMW for me is just its a solid. I don't have to worry about it. It handles beautifully, and I don't have to worry about it. It goes plenty fast. But it stops and it handles this, that whole package. It's a smart choice. So I try to be safer on the road than I am in the dirt.
0: So I wanted to ask you real quick, because again, when I said, I found out you were opening this, where have you had all of these bikes all these years? Have you just been a hoarder uh, living up here in the hills? Collector. Okay, collector. So, have you had your own, like, just private museum that just you would go out there and sleep with them and pet, pet them once in a while? Well, or?
2: yes, yes. Yes. For about 15 years in my barns. Um, Remember the stuff in the barn fine room? It yeah. all came from those same barns. They're stacked up, leaking, dripping, covered, battery chargers on them. I like bikes.
0: I- I, no, I love that you're sharing this with everyone. So how, since you decided to open this, how many bikes did you add to the collection that you already had? Or is this how many bikes you've had sitting in your barn?
2: No, I probably had um, 30 or less. Okay. And then in the last... Four to five years, I've added over a hundred to make it a significant experience for you to come and visit.
0: Great! So this is—that's when you decided to do this about three, yeah, three I think years four years ago. Four a month. Oh, <laughs> four.
2: <laughs> well, not always every month, but
0: so but four I, years ago, about when you sold the winery business.
2: Well, the, right before I decided I needed a plan, this was the plan.
0: So, and you decided. You to know.
2: give back, I wanted to give back to the writing community. I just have wonderful friends,
0: and you knew you wanted to do it here in.
2: Well, I didn't Carmel. know in the beginning. I looked for a year. I looked in, I looked in Salinas, Seaside, Monterey, uh, Carmel Valley. I didn't want to go to South County. I wanted to be somewhere where I lived, and this building came up, and I knew the building, and it was perfect. So I bought this building, offices, took down all the walls here you see it
0: So um Let's first tell people where, so we're in Carmel Village up in the Carmel Valley. We're not too far from Laguna Seca. Right. Right off uh, Monterey, Carmel. This is beautiful area. Some of the roads that we love to ride that we yes. tell everyone about are yes. right here. Yes. Uh, when we do an event uh, once a year called the Tin Butt 200, that we do a 200-mile loop on under 200cc bikes and scooters. Cool. And we go down the valley to Greenfield. Cool. And then we come up Carmel Valley Road my
2: favorite road
0: this is some of the best riding so this is definitely a good destination for people We're
2: definitely a destination yes um, g16 you can access this by highway one coming up the coast early in the morning maybe not weekends you can come down g16 the carmel valley road you can come in down from 156 and come over la serelle's grade like Jim did this morning without mm-hmm. cars, which is fun. Or you can come out from Highway One from Carmel. You can access it. It's oh, just a one.
0: It's an amazing place to come ride or drive to.
2: And then east of us, we have the amazing roads, Priest Valley and 198 and Clearwater, and and no cars out there at all.
0: And and we're not far from Highway One. So if went, people are doing the Pacific Coast Highway, this is just a Alcia short little.
2: Ferguson. I just did that two weeks ago.
0: And so you're open, is it Wednesday through Sunday?
2: Thursday through Sunday, from 11 to 5.
0: 11 to 5. Are you going to be doing any um, events? Hopefully. Like, are you going to do shows or gatherings or rides? What can people look forward to in the future?
2: Well, we're hoping to. We just opened, but give us some time, and we're hoping to do events and rides. There will be various marks that come visit. The Norg group's already been here. The Ducati group's been here. The BSA group's been here. People are riding from L.A., they're riding from the Central Valley, they're riding from San Francisco.
0: And And we offer
2: a group rate for those riders that come in, just a blanket $10, which is pretty amazing when you're looking at this. And we'll have stories for every bike coming. You can spend all day if you want here.
0: I would, and you even have... The chairs outside,
2: yep. so people chairs. can say,
0: That's something we love about the Jameson Museum is yes. the rocking chairs and the couch.
2: Oh, I know the corner. You just want to
0: just sit down and just hang out and talk. We'll, we'll sh- have
2: that, and we're going to have some little picnic tables out in front here pretty soon. And there's a deli right next door that makes wonderful sandwiches. What's some Italian coffee? Oh, right next door. Yeah, <laughs> so Bobby knows so- where you can get espresso. Just 100 feet up the road. It's
0: okay, it's congrats. definitely a, a good destination, <clears throat> a good trip to make, and I'm sure come uh, next may when the quail lodge the quail gathering comes yes, around we'll be on of which ride. you have one of your blue ribbon bikes on display
2: well we'll have we'll have fun i might not show a lot next year because i showed a lot this year but did really well but i'll i'll give everybody a break
0: but i'm sure it'll be a good time too this is <laughs> probably going to be a lot going on No, we're going to
2: we're going to finish this hopefully this winter and we'll be changing bikes around. Of course, always I have bikes in our living room. I have them up at home in the old barn. And I'm constantly thinking. I'm picking up that unrestored dirt tracker Tuesday.
0: Right. You you have got. So are people coming out of the wood, woodwork now?
2: They're starting to read the website and they're starting to come. They're calling and saying we're riding from Manteca. Yeah. We're riding from you know East LA. Are you open? You know they're coming and enjoying. Now so it's happening.
0: I do notice you have some pretty empty walls, and I'm, I'm pretty sure these are going to get filled. Yes. If somebody has some sort of artifacts, relics, or something, are you interested in donations? Should we people had, contact you?
2: Yes. We've been, motorcycles have been donated to us, and artwork has been don- donated. And it'll be rotating, of course, but yes, we are.
0: I mean, this is, isn't this the largest museum on the West Coast? <coughs>
2: Well, Virgil's and Solvang is about 100 bikes. Yeah. Um, and he's got the back room. But he has the back room. He has the back it's room. It's one of the largest, yeah. It, it is. I have limited space, but I'm still hanging. I just hung artwork yesterday. I mean, we just opened a little over a month ago. We're going to have the bottom floor completely covered, but it'll take months to find appropriate. You know, I'm still waiting for two uh, prints here from the 50s. I love black and white.
0: Maybe in the future I'd love to work with you If you wanted to set up doing some like speaking engagements If you want people to come in to speak to crowds yes, Or we, yourself Because that's the kind of stuff I would love oh, that's Set up wonderful. some chairs yeah, I,
2: I haven't done that but Craig would like to come I'm going to visit Craig Vetter here in a few minutes Yes, And I'd check in with him and
0: Yeah we're right down the street from Craig's he's, uh, shop
2: he's, he's just a really neat guy And he wants to speak but here we have Jeff Haney just walked downstairs. Mm-hmm. National flat tracker jeans over the hill. Donnie Castro. Yeah. Wayne Rainey's right up here. He's my neighbor. I know. So they'd all like to speak. I just have to get the place finished, artwork wise, and story wise. I need to tell my stories.
0: We're going to have a long relationship with you. I'm so glad that you're here in our backyard. It's a perfect fit because that's what we do. We love to share stories, and we specialize in sharing. Our Northern California history, from from the, the past up to the current, was happening in electric. We're in an More amazing electrics. place in the world for motorcycling.
2: Think of my last story as Randy Wilder, who does all of our photography. When you go on our website, you see mm-hmm. the website. He was filming the first electric race a month or so ago at Laguna Seca. Mm-hmm. And he was set up at the corkscrew right here. <laughs> and he's waiting to shoot and all of a sudden they all went by cuz he never heard, never heard them him tell me. and he said what am i going to do he said he said rob they were all by i didn't even have a clue they were going to be by he's still waiting to shoot and they all went by cuz he said he's always waiting for the motor so there are a lot of funny stories but we're all excited about because it, it's so incredible nice i mean electric bikes are going to be amazing i had i really enjoyed my experience but i like still gas but it doesn't mean that i won't switch still a motorcycle still a motorcycle
0: well i want to thank you for your time i want to wrap up we are going to be coming back we're going to get a lot of more stories especially as i'm um just in the month that we were here, bikes have changed.
3: Sure, absolutely. So
0: I know this is just going to be a frequent place for us to visit and come <coughs> hang out. Really, so thank you for your time.
2: You're welcome. Thanks and, for being here.
0: Uh, I will include in the show notes a link to it's this a museum little, it's a little so mototomic. people can right. contact here and come and talk to Rob. And if Rob's not here, corner Bobby because he's got stories too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just
0: got breaks. to pry yeah. him out of him. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so thank you very much
2: uh, he's, He has some great history For a long time, we make a good team
0: Exactly Obviously. So I think on that note, I think we're ready to wrap up So thanks for everyone uh, For listening, this is the Moto Talbot Museum special And I think we're ready to get out of here
2: Perfect, cool